Hi everybody, it's Gene Simmons, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, but you knew that. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, that's right, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with the water drinker, Dr. Fuck. With me is... The alcoholic, Ian Wadley. What's up? Where are you from, Ian? I'm from New Orleans at the present moment. You fucking liar. (laughs) I know you're not in New Orleans. You know where you are? Where am I at? Ah, You see, you don't even want to admit I don't know. You don't (laughs) want to admit it, you fuck. What's going on, dude? We got any, like, those wacky iTunes reviews? Holy shit, after a long, extensive drought, uh, we've got two of them today. The hell you say? Yes, and uh, I just want to let people know that uh, I was able to leave iTunes reviews lately that showed up the very next day, so maybe iTunes fixed their shit, so if anybody who's tried in the past didn't work, maybe iTunes unfucked itself, so get that one in so I can read it. Just like this one, a four-star review. We couldn't quite get that five. This is a, a four-star review for by Dan Taft, entitled, Good Show Most of the Time. Whoa. Yeah, he says, and I quote, I've been listening for a while, and it's fairly entertaining. Nice. I really... I really enjoy the kiss-related episodes in particular. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I am also a Skinner fan from Alabama who gets what RVZ, Ronnie Van Zant for you people from Alabama, uh, (laughs) (laughs) was saying in his songs. Sure, there are many backwards people here and in every state I've been, which is probably Missouri, too, uh, and Mississippi. The South gets dumped on for all kinds of things that exist in the North and West. What about the East? Anyway, I was laughing, actually, as Ian slurred his negative vitriol towards us uh, due to his progressive leanings. I've never met anyone here who sung the praises for Wallace or even owned a flag. Talk about ignorant. Ralph and Dr. Wang are great for chopsticks. <laughs> oh, well, to me, that, that that's a five-star. He, he likes me and Wang and hates you. Five stars. Thank you, bu- thank you, buddy. Well, first, I love that he used the word vitriol. You know, like, wow, this guy can play Scrabble. <laughs> now, come I mean, on, man. Leave him alone, one. dude. Have a little respect for a guy that married his sister. See, <laughs> I want him to hate me as much as he hates you. See? I'm on Team Wadzilla. <laughs> yeah. Don't be jealous. This is my hate. Let me enjoy uh, it. <laughs> yeah. No, I thank the guy. Hey, man, four stars is better than, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, what go- what comes before four? I forgot. Uh, three? Three. That's right, three. God, I felt so Alabama-ish. See there? I'm, I'm still on Ian TV. But I love how he says, talk about ignorant, and then he says, Ralph and Dr. Wang. Isn't it Dr. Fucking Bill Wayne? <laughs> hey, yeah, well, yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. And only four chopsticks. Hey, but, uh, he, he said four chopsticks. That's pretty cool. So, uh, and, and, and wow, somebody in Alabama, who he's never met anyone who owns a rebel flag. I buy that. 
<laughs> wow, you sounded oh. very Alabama-ish there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, uh, Dan Taff, I'm glad uh, you like the show most of the time, and I'm glad we're fairly entertaining. You call uh, him Dan Taff. I call him Dantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, hey, uh, thank you for leaving your review, and uh, sorry, not sorry if I offended you. And, and he's absolutely right. I've met assholes all over the country, but never as dumb as the ones in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But thank you, Dan, uh, regardless for your review. Appreciate it. I'm... And come back two years from now when we do another KISS review. And Dan, see if you can change that flag thing, man. See if you can get at least one American flag in Alabama. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Well, we have another review. Now, this one is a five-star review. Wow, five stars. Cool. I already like yes. this guy. Uh, so, five-star review entitled Best Podcast Ever. Whoa, wow. Yeah. And this one comes from a guy called Black Sabbath Rules. Black Sabbath. Oh, I want to use my hand on that guy. Oh, he sounds handsome already. Yeah, I love him already. He says, and I quote, they are funny. They know their stuff. And the best part is the God that edits it. Oh, shit. I love you, Rock and Metal Podcast. Long time. Man, I am using my hand. Well, actually, I always use my hand on that guy. Because that was me, Ian. It went through. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right on. I'm, I'm so surprised. You totally <laughs> yeah. got me there. Wow. Black Sabbath rules. Gee, I wonder who that could be. Well, I got my inspiration from uh, one of those podcasts that we uh, that we spawn that constantly leaves comments on their own saying they're great under different names. Rush 2112. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't even have to mention the podcast because they always listen and they're saying right now, holy shit, they got me. Who would freaking do that? Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that shit and I was like, man, that's pathetic. Let me do it too. <laughs> Actually, you know what sucks though, man? I left a really good iTunes reviews on ours and I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was really good. It was really funny and I think it was a little salty. So that's probably why I didn't make it. Yeah. Well, I wondered, uh, I wondered in the past if I did ones that were a little salty, and that's why they didn't make it too. Yeah. But uh, but I, I left a good one on uh, on Decibel Geek, and I was glad it went through. But uh, I left yeah. one for them too, and it had to do with injecting tranquilizers in my eyeballs, and I think that's what ruined it. That's what stopped it from going on there. And and I did it at the same time. I did that review right there. So that kind of like shows you, man. Hey, tr try not to be like cool and funny when you with your reviews, and I'll get through. And and bash Ian, that that always works. iTunes yeah. doesn't like you either, dude. <laughs> what are they from Alabama? Yeah, too? <laughs> that's where they're from. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this shit was all related. All right. Well, that is our iTunes review. Uh, thank you, Ralph, <laughs> and thank yeah. you, Dan Tab. Yeah, thank you, uh, me. <laughs> and, and, and after we're done, I'm using my hand on myself. But what else is new? Yeah, you almost tricked me. But when you said the God that ends it, and, and it was all caps on God, uh, that was kind of a giveaway. <laughs> yeah, it was like Black Sabbath rules. Yeah, it could be him. God that ended it. Oh, this is Ralph. I'm like, oh, I saw the name. I'm like, Ralph's going to love this guy. <laughs> and then I saw that. I'm like, 
Yeah, Ralph definitely <laughs> loves this guy. Oh, yeah, you know me. I got an ego. Remember that. I love myself too much. Oh, Lord. Well, thank you. Thank you for the iTunes reviews. Hey, and... ain't a thing but a chicken wing. <laughs> and another thing I got to thank our incredible listeners for is the response we've got out the gate uh, for the fundraising for the Rock and Pod Expo 2 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, <coughs> Man, I, I put the word out there, and in a matter of days, we'd are, we had doubled uh, what was previously donated. So we are leading the pack right from the start again. And I will say and, it again. You're all a bunch of pimps, and it's going to be the same thing uh, as last year, except the only difference is I'm not going to be like, you won't have to call the Wambulance for me. Oh, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm all on board on reviewing whatever. And everybody out there, please. Don't be afraid. Don't think I'm going to get upset if you ask me to review, like, you know, The Cure or whatever the fuck you know I don't like. I'm going to be more than happy to do it because 2018 is a kind and hornier Dr. Fuck. We do have the best listeners out there, and we hope to see so many of you. I see a lot more people already saying they're going to make the trek to, uh, to Nashville this August, and, and that's going to be awesome because uh, we need you there. Because I, I think there's still uh, <laughs> there's still some restraining orders on us, but there's strength in numbers. Everybody shows up, you know. They can't hold us back. Yeah, come so, watch us before they throw us in jail. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. We need more donations for bail. <laughs> yeah, and uh, thank thank God the expo's not in Alabama this year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, if that was the case, only you'd go to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nashville's bad enough. <laughs> You know I uh, love them, Hicks. That's right. And they love us. All right, well, fuck it. Let's get into some news, shall we? All right. Now, here's something that uh, most people can enjoy, unless you're in Alabama and you can't read. K.K. Uh, Downing is going to release a memoir entitled Heavy Duty, Days and Nights in Judas Priest. And right, uh, th- cool. this will be coming out this September. September 18th, as a matter of fact. That's the, the date given as of now. And, uh, man, that is a book I would like to read. Well, hopefully he's a little more open than usual because Judas Priest is one of those bands that, you know, they're kind of like squeaky clean. You know, I mean, we heard about, you know, Rob Halford's uh, rehab and his uh, alcohol problems, like, what, 20 years after the fact. They've been, they're kind of like Cheap Trick. You hear no dirt on those two bands. Right, but uh, it would you know I think it'd be really interesting just to hear his take on it. You know, I mean, God, if you love Priest, I mean, KK is such an important member, and would really like to see what what he has to say about everything. And uh, you know, I've often talked about when I when I read books uh, based on musicians, I I never start in the beginning because I don't give a fuck what happened to you when when you were five or you were twelve. I go straight to the shit. So I would love I would turn right to where Rob leaves and see how they dealt with that, you know, and then I would go back and, and, and read the rest. But uh, If very... I ever wrote a book, you wouldn't want to skip to when I joined Thrasher Die, trust me. Losing my virginity at 13, all those yeah. killer drugs I did. Yeah, no, no you, you would be the exception. Yeah, I know. <laughs> By the time I'm in Thrasher Die, I quit drugs. I, uh, I'm i no longer 13, fucking 36-year-old. You know, it's, 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 I become kind of boring during Thrasher Die. <laughs> yeah, you, you're a rock star out the womb. Yeah, exactly. I did all the my debauchery before I started a band. 
yeah, you were you were banging people's wives while your friends were in study hall and shit. <laughs> exactly, that's true. You know what? It sounds funny, but it's actually the truth. But I it's, know. it's wife, not wives. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I did. I did have sex with somebody engaged, so that's, I, that's close enough. I'm sure now it's ex-wife. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. And and that engaged one's an ex-wife now. Matter of fact, <laughs> you know, it's not wrong to fuck a girl engaged as long as you don't know the guy. Yeah, yeah. Doctor fuck philosophy. <laughs> Doctor right. philosophy for you there. Kids take notes. <laughs> yeah. That's right, kids. Go out there and fuck chicks that are getting married to dudes you don't know. It's morally right. All right. Well, next story. Uh, there's a lot of bands replying to the news of uh, Slayer calling it a day. And, you know, you got people saying, oh, I knew this was coming. You got some people saying, I'll believe it when I see it. And uh, Dave Ellison just said, they're too young to be retired. Uh, what do you take on this? I know we, we talked about it a little bit last week, but do you believe that this is it, or do you think this is just, like, something to uh, increase tickets? Uh, no, I think it's real, but I will tell you this. Once it's all said and done, they're done, and then Metallica's like, all right, we'll have a big four again. They'll come out of retirement. For, like, right. a big payday, they'll do it. That's what I'm thinking. There just won't be, like, a, an official tour. It just might be a, a one-off show here and there. Right. But, um, um, no, you know, um, here's the thing. Tom's not into it anymore. We've been hearing this grumbling for, for years. Since, yeah. Since, yeah, since that last album was released. You know, I don't know if there's going to be a next album. They're already talking shit like that. So, uh, if you're not into it, you know, why why continue? You know, don't you don't want somebody to half-ass it. And, uh, you know, look. Honestly, dude, I, I saw Slayer. I know you always praise Slayer with Graham, uh, Gary Holt, and I did see the lineup, and I got no complaints. It was awesome. It was 100% awesome. But, you know, there's something so... It's it's odd seeing Slayer now where this guy's not thrashing the fuck out of his neck. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, and, oh, and, yeah. And I know, and l- watching it live, I also noticed... It's a it's a restrained uh, Tom Mariah. He's he's restrained on stage. It's yeah, not, well, he, he has to be though. That's yeah. but that's my point. Like you know, right. you're seeing a guy that can't get into it like he used to. I'm sure it upsets him too. That that must be a factor as well. You know, like God, oh, yeah. man, this, this like Rain and Blood. When that shit, I that's the one song out of the history of all music. To this day, I cannot, and I tried too. I tried. It's like okay, I'm not getting in the pit. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. That. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not gonna do it. Dun, dun, dun. No, I'm not. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 no, I'm not gonna do it. Dun, 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 dun. Not gonna do it. Dun, 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 dun. Then it goes into the. Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, oh fuck, let's go. You know, I, <laughs> I can't hold myself back. And this guy does it every night, so it must drive him nuts. Oh yeah, know? and he's he said that in a recent interview that it, that it's aggravating because he wants to do it and he's proud of all the years ahead banging. And See he's that? proud of how he performed. And, you know, another one talking about it today was, was Phil Anselmo. And he said, I'll believe it if it happens. Uh, but he's uh, he also responded to some rumors that he uh, would be doing something in the future with Kerry King. And he revealed that he has not talked to Kerry King since uh, Jeff Hanneman passed away. Mm-hmm. And I could have swore that they did some Metal Alliance shit. 
I thought that was after Jeff passed away, but it must have been before. Uh, but he said that's not something he would turn down. He's like, oh, if Carrie wants to make music, fuck yeah, you know, you know. And that's something I would be interested in, you know. Carrie King and fucking Phil. Oh yeah, yeah, make it Slayerish. Yeah, and and Carrie King even said like, uh, you know, he doesn't really want it to end. You know, it's more Tom, and he's like, I'm going to do something. He said he would never call it Slayer. But he goes, I, I'll tell you, it's going to sound like fucking Slayer because that's what I sound like. So. <laughs> that's all he could do. Yeah, you know, I can only imagine, though, that with, with, with Phil. Oh, my God. Yeah, sign me up there. First yeah. day downloader. <laughs> 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 you hear that, Mr. X? Yeah. Give me that shit. Hint, Mr. X. Hint to you. <laughs> and be careful, Mr. X, with that Gene Simmons vault. Uh, that's the story I want to bring up. Uh, today on Twitter... Uh, Gene Simmons tweeted. He tweeted. Because now I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm a tweeter. Yes. Um, he said, uh, please, friends, anybody out there that knows that sharing the vault, let me know. My lawyers are frothing at the mouth. So be careful, Mr. X. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, I got on a good authority. Mr. X isn't, isn't doing that. That'd okay. be wrong. Well, no, I'm saying. But you know if he gets his hand on it. You know how he is. Yeah. Well, apparently... Mr. X said he offered to send it to a bunch of people and nobody wanted to hear four versions of no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far, no takers. I don't think you got to worry about that, Gene. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, no, well, I think that's something, though, we should uh, we should talk about and let the listeners know that you do have a awesome a brand new episode of Vieira Vault, your solo podcast. Uh, where you go through your experience, uh, you you did the vault thing where you got to meet not only Gene but Ace. Yeah, I paid. I paid Ruben t- De La Rosa. I yeah, love that guy. I, yeah, I took Ruben with me. I uh, I paid two thousand dollars. Yes, I'm an idiot. That's why a lot of people call me an idiot. But they're calling me an idiot because um, they judge it by the vault I got. You know, you got ripped off. I'm, I'm like, dude, I didn't pay two thousand for the vault. I wasn't going to the Gene Simmons vault. I explained this on my podcast, so I'll give you a little abbreviated version of it. <clears throat> I went because Ace Fraley was added to it, and Wynwood, where it was held at, is literally five minutes from my, a five-minute drive. It's right over the bridge. I live on my beach. You go over the bridge, that's Wynwood. So um, I was like, oh, fuck. And then, like, I, it was a struggle, though. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was Saturday night at my work. And I'm struggling with that idea, going, nah, I should do it, I should do it. Uh, and then I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do it. So I, I, I paid two grand. But here, here's the thing. <clears throat> I have the money, people. It's not like this held me back. I'm not broke. Um, and uh, I paid with my band money. Now, here's the, here's the thing. I've been in Thrash or Die for 10 years. And I've accumulated a lot of money on the Thrasher Die PayPal. And I have taken, in 10 years, I've taken $40 out of my PayPal. Now, I've, I didn't explain this on, on the podcast, so I'll give you this part. Ooh, $40 I've taken out of my PayPal in 10 years where I have paid members of the band thousands. You know, I've given the original lineup pretty much 2000 each. Uh, and, and, the, and the current lineup, I, I pay all my band members and I don't get no money, but I keep the money. So I said, you know what, man, I'm going to pay for this. I could have paid it out of my pocket too. I could have taken it out of my bank account, but I said, you know what? Fuck that dude. 
I'm going to use Thrasher Die money to pay for this experience, you know? And I did. It, you know, it's slightly, slightly dented. There's still a few grand in there, more than 2000 in in the PayPal account. So <clears throat> I just I just bought it and and I don't regret it for one second. My experience was phenomenal. And if you want to hear about it, check out the 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 Vera Vault, but I knew buying this vault, I go, this is not worth $2,000. And I still think it's not worth $2,000. But I will tell you this. I am surprised after listening to all 15 discs, how much good shit's on there. I thought I would get lucky if I had at least one album, one CD's worth of good songs. That's what I thought it was going to happen. This is probably like just one album worth of good shit. And it's like a hundred and something uh, songs. And here's the thing too. This is, you guys got to listen to this podcast because randomly I got a guy out of nowhere, which unfortunately I wanted to get our past guest, Sonny Pooney, which I promised him, dude, you got to You got to pick an album because I felt so bad because uh, his schedule and mine conflicted. And then somebody else, uh, our schedules conflicted as well. This guy said, dude, I'm available whenever you need me. I don't know who this guy from nowhere. He just responded to my YouTube video. So I got this guy, and dude, this dude is awesome. You want to talk about... Dude, let me put it this way. That guy is credited on some Kiss releases. You know, he was at the Magic Mountain show, Kiss Meets the Phantom. He was at the 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 Kiss uh, Anaheim Destroyer show. I mean, this guy's been into Kiss since, you know, 10 years old. And, and the most interesting thing is I interviewed G. Simmons, and I asked him questions nobody's ever asked him. And you can hear that on there as well. My interview with Gene is on that podcast. This guy fucking rules that I had on the podcast. Everybody that's left comments are like, dude, that guy rules. You know, it was such great chemistry between two Kiss nerds. And we sound so enthusiastic. And yeah, we, we, you know, he brings up great points of, you're going to tell us that we're idiots. And then he gives examples how you're no different than us, dude. You're just no different than us because you'll waste, if you had the fucking money, you, you'd buy shit somebody else wouldn't buy. But does that make you wrong? No. It's something you love. So, you know, a big fuck you to everybody out there that looks down on me and, and, and refuses to look down and not look at these nuts. Fuck you well, all. Hey, Tommy's here. He's yeah, part of the yeah. news. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy the cat. Tommy's running around. He's like, which, I'd pay it too. Which, by the way, Tommy the Cat is co-hosting a future episode with us. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Wait till you hear that episode. Yeah, he's like, fucking. If Dad won't do a kiss episode, I'm gonna do it. So, <laughs> and actually, and, and, and he sounds better than Peter Chris's solo album. <laughs> and, and, about on par. I also want to say, dude, that was so cool. I met the lady that did all the kiss costumes from 1973 all the way up to Lick It Up, and she was a sweet. Brazilian yeah, lady, she was it. awesome. She was awesome. Now, is it is it true that like you know while you guys are walking around, you know, you know, like or like you know, Jean's walking around and Ace is walking around, that Tommy Thayer was also walking around taking everybody's drink order? No, not true. He was walking around with hors d'oeuvres. Oh, okay, okay. So he had the finger sandwiches. Yeah, and it was in well, an interesting place. It wasn't you know like a hotel or anything. It was actually a guitar store. That had vintage cars and actual cars. Oh, nice. Real expensive cars. And, you know, Ace is sitting there going, yeah, I wish I could be here all day. I'd play all these guitars. Because they had top of the line. I mean, this this place, like, 
was very like it was all expensive gold top Les Pauls and some killer vintage SGs and it was just really fucking cool. It was a really cool place to have it, you know. Well, I I can't wait to listen to that episode. I encourage everybody else to listen. And and what what's funny is this guy, he's such a Kiss fan, but uh, I heard he only listens to our Lee Gersman episodes. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, <laughs> so he he refuses. It's a nice li- change of pace. Yeah, he's like I ain't listening to Kiss episodes with these guys. I'm yeah, too much yeah. of a Kiss fan to listen to those episodes. Yeah, yeah he goes, I like Kiss. I only want to hear Lee Gertzman. <laughs> no, and the guy, and you know, he's a, he's not only a cool Kiss fan, but he's told me that, you know, he watches my videos all the time, and he really enjoys what I do on YouTube because I'm not, I'm not biased. So he's like one of those Kiss fans that that doesn't mind if I say something like Paul can't sing or anything like that because right. there's just too many people that attack me with, you know. Uh, fuck you with your Paul hatred. You just you're not a true Kiss fan. And I was like, oh yeah, a true Kiss fan is supposed to like look the other way when Paul's croaking, you know, fucking strutter. No, fuck you too, you know. So yeah. this guy, this guy, this guy is just an awesome dude all around. Wait till you hear this dude. This guy has stories and a very heartbreaking story. You know, there, there was one guy that wrote a, uh, a comment saying that dude he teared up when he heard uh, this guy tell a story about a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, of his history with kids, and it is a very, very sad story. But you know, is this about when he bought the elder? No, oh. I didn't. I didn't ask him about the elder, but yeah. And oddly enough, that is a big reason I got attacked. Uh, was because my surprise was a sealed copy of the elder cassette. <laughs> I, you know what's call me fucking crazy? Everybody knows how I feel about that album. I think that's a cool thing to have. I do I, too. I, I mean. I'll be honest with you. When I first saw it, I wa- I can't say I wasn't disappointed, but I just experienced this great day. But I was like, okay, I mean, I wish it would have been, you know, something a little cooler because you know how I feel about cassettes. But at the same time, it's like, dude, it's great. And then people were like, you know, they can reseal cassettes. Everybody just tries to shit on. Yeah, but yeah. what if it's not resealed? You know, it's like, come yeah. on. And it look and it looks it looks like it's never been opened because it looks pristine. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. You, you know, you said everybody else got something different. Like one chick got a piece of his armor yeah. from uh, the Destroyer outfit. Okay, yeah, that's amazing. And then you said you saw another guy that got a Kiss golf ball. Yeah. So, 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 man, somewhere in the middle, like even even as much as I fucking hate the Elder, if I would open it up and that was it, I would have laughed. I was like, you know what? This is cool. That's something I would proudly display. It's like. Yeah, I hate it, but it's the fucking Elder on cassette. How cool... I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. I think it's a cool fucking thing to throw in. No, but. and also, too, dude, it, it does kind of, like, I deserve that cassette because it was back in 1984, 85, it was 84, that I went into a record store and they had uh, Kiss on Elder on cassette for a buck. I was about to go home. I had a Walkman. I said, you know what? Let me listen to this album because I never gave the other chance. And I bought it on cassette. Yes, it wasn't sealed, but it was a used copy for a buck. And that's how I first discovered the other was on cassette. And that's cassette's been gone, you know, decades already. But right. now I got it again sealed. So it's kind of sentimental, you know what right. I mean? Hey, it could have been, you could have got like hot in the shade in a long box. <laughs> yeah, know? well, yeah. <laughs> you know, thank so. God. Thank God it was, a, <laughs> thank God I didn't get a sealed copy of something I hated from uh, this, you know? like you a know. sealed Gene Simmons solo album. In my head, I'm like, oh, God, 2000 to meet Gene when I've already met him. 
but first of all, I don't even have two thousand dollars, you know. But you know, I'm thinking like if I if I had the money and I had that opportunity to like you know do a bump with David Lee Roth, I would fucking do it because that would mean everything in the world to me, and it meant a lot to you. You know what I, I believe sealed the deal with you was Ace being there. And you got to hang out with both these guys. So as long as you're happy, and and it, and, and it's di- di- dude, it's extremely different than when you met Gene, though. I mean, this is a whole different. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, oh, not, yeah. you know, you don't just meet Gene. Right. You get right. to hang out with him, and you get to right. hear story, his storyteller time. He, he, you know, it was like Gene Simmons did like three hours in front of us, you know, yeah, uh, no. live with an acoustic, and 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 then A showed up. And right. it's more personal. Look, uh, Ozzy Osbourne is now charging $2,500 for a meet and greet, which, again, if you like Ozzy, like I do, uh, do it. I already did it. So I did it for a grand. Well, I did it for two grand because half of it was for the Guns N' Roses girl. <clears throat> but, um, uh, yeah, so so um, th- you're, th- that meet and greet is like, you know, it's, it's a cattle call. You know, it's like they just take you in. I did get a couple words in with Ozzy. Take a picture, you're out. This is totally different than that. And that's more expensive than the Gene thing. And you don't walk out with a big-ass vault with, a, you know, 160 songs in it. You know, it's like, so, I don't know, dude. I, I just see this, uh, sure, it's expensive. Sure, it's not for everybody. I understand that. But for somebody that's uh, a caliber of a Kiss fan that I am, you know, you throw, because, dude, honestly, I wouldn't be sitting here with that box. I wouldn't be sitting here with the video, uh, the interview I did with uh, Gene Simmons. I had a great time, and it's not for everybody. I can understand somebody say, "Oh fuck that! I ain't paying two grand to meet Gene. That's bullshit." It's like that's cool for you to think that, but don't don't like attack anybody else. You know, I mean, Lude, how many people do we know that still go see Kiss live? You know, like you know, that go, that I, I go, just did. <laughs> I was I was actually implying to that. Okay. You know, I mean. But, but fuck it. You go and do it. I'm not going to fucking... You know what you're getting in for, you know? It's like, you're going to go up there and and, and this is what you're going to hear when Paul sings. <laughs> so, and, I, and I knew it was going to be bad, and I still refused to leave until <laughs> the very end. I'm like, ah, no, I'm staying the whole time because I'm a Kiss fan, you know? And, so, and if you're wondering if Gene actually did ask Vinnie Vincent to the Nashville, <laughs> listen to my interview and get your answer. Get the answer. All if right. that's true or not. Yeah, and if you want to know any more of this, you have to listen to the Vieira Vault episode, which is doing very well, I might add. Well, Jeff Tate just released a new song called I've Seen the Way the Wind Blows. Is that like a trilogy of Operation Minecraft? Uh, no, he, he just finished that. Uh, is or, that out? Uh, yeah, yeah. All three albums, it's called, uh, yeah, the band was called Operation Minecraft. And he said that that's all that band was for, was for that trilogy. Now he's moving on to some other shit. And he's released just like a single song before he starts something new. And it's called uh, I've Seen the Way the Wind Blows. And it features guest appearances by homeless musicians. Well, that's and, interesting. Yeah. And when they asked him why he was using homeless musicians, he said... I just spent two fucking thousand dollars to meet Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford to pay anybody. <laughs> All right, next story. Okay, here's one. God damn, I, I tell you, I, I don't know who says more stupid fucking shit, me or Dave Mustaine. I think it's about what and what. Uh, he's talking about how he would love to play more Big Four shows. But all bands have to get treated fairly. I, you know, that's just I saw that story and I'm like, 
Dude, if you want the big four to happen, don't badmouth Metallica, you moron. Right. And, and, and then, of course, you, you know, the bane of his existence, uh, Kirk Hammett, he happened to bring up. I guess Kirk made... I, I don't have the big four. Uh, I, yeah, he said that, too. And I, I got to watch that Blu-ray. I have yeah. that Blu-ray. I don't remember him saying it, but, yeah, if he yeah. said it, he said it. But, you know, if he said it, he's absolutely right. And I was talking about this on the Talk To Me podcast uh, that I did last night. Uh, we were talking about this story, and, 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 and Josh talked about how, you know, they did that, you know, the other three tour where it was, uh, you know, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax, and he said the show almost got canceled uh, because of, you know, they tried to play too big a venue and the ticket sales weren't there. And that just shows you, you do need Metallica. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's not that I think Metallica's, you know, better than the other three. They are you know, financially. But, yeah, you can't deny the fact that they are a bigger draw. Yeah, and of they, course. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think there's got to be something with the state. It had to really eat his ass that they weren't number two, that they were number three. Because when they did the big four shows, Anthrax would open up, then Megadeth, then Slayer than Metallica. But you gotta admit, like, you know, Megadeth probably sold more records overall than Slayer, but Slayer's been more of a constant draw. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Slayer always does very well touring. Yeah, they, they have more of a, a rabid following. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Megadeth's had a few, uh, few more albums that, you know, probably sold more. But overall, if you look at a more successful career... And and a, and a more stable lineup of what you would call a band, Slayer does have it over him, and I, I and I firmly believe that's exactly how the lineup should go. You know, I I think it was it was fair, and yeah, Metallica is going to play a little bit longer, but there's going to be a lot more of those like Kiss nerds, but they're Metallica nerds that want to hear that Black Album shit, you know, that want to hear that Load shit, that show up just for that, and probably don't know a whole lot of Megadeth and Slayer and Metallica, so... I, I mean, j just be grateful that you're all doing this show, and, and don't say shit like that, because that's what sabotages this shit. It just reaffirms everything they say about you being a prick when you do shit like that, so... Um, and, it, and it's sad, dude, because I've said it a million times, I believe Mustaine is by far the most talented thrash guitarist. I mean, this guy writes some of the most incredible riffs, but somebody who just, like, keeps fucking, you know, fucking everything up for himself with his, with his mouth, and that's a stain, man. It's like, just be, you, you had a great career. Everybody knows who Dave Mustaine is. You know, fucking let it go. Be happy for what you have. And you should, and, and you know, and after all the bad-mouthing you've done on Metallica, you should have been happy there was a big four at all, you know? That shows you who's the, who's the bigger man, you know? Right. And, and don't get me wrong, Metallica probably, you know, they probably eat up a little bit like yeah we're still number one and I get that but you know still Megadeth has nothing to be uh, you know ashamed of other than like four or five albums I could mention but you know what I mean they, they have a respectable career their legacy in metal is set and, and nobody can take that away so just you know think about what you got not what you don't got you know that's, that, that's, that's my two cents I hear that all right. Uh, let's see here. Next story. Uh, I'm looking. I'm lo oh, here's a tour. Man, I would love to see this shit, but of course, no dates for me. But, Ralph, you have a chance to see this. 
Jeff Beck, Paul Rogers, and Ann Wilson. No shit. That's I saw it, but I didn't know that was coming here. Uh, let me check. I think there's one South right, Florida? right close to you. Uh, look at uh Coral Sky. Okay, that's about uh, an hour and a half to our trip. I oh shit! It, it's the same day as the expo. Oh man, dude! Uh, apologize to Chris Siznak for me. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's I had I had to read this a couple times. It's funny I saw a guy who made a comment on Blabbermouth and said the same thing. He's like, "Wait a minute, is Paul Rogers singing with Jeff Beck and Ann Wilson's open up?" But no, uh, as I read it a little bit more closely, it appears that you know they all have solo spots as it should be. Yeah, but uh, if you look at the flyer, it looks like yeah. Ann Wilson's opening, which is ridiculous. Right. Well, I mean, she's definitely that's how what I get out of it is like it's a co-headlining tour between. Jeff Beck and Paul Rogers, but Ann Wilson is the opening act. It's like I saw Jeff Beck and Santana, and they had another guy who opened the show. Uh, I believe it was Keb Moe, a great blues guitar player. Uh, but I was lucky enough to see Jeff Beck live and just blew my mind. I mean, he was so good. He was so good. And, you know, Santana was good, too. And this, this was before that, you know, like Matchbox 20... Uh, reinventing shit that he did. This was just him playing good old Santana shit. Right. Uh, but Jeff Beck was just, oh my God, was he good. I remember at one point, man, he like, he popped like one or two strings and just, he didn't stop. He's like, fuck it, I'm finishing the song, I'm going to improvise. And, uh, I, I, I love Jeff Beck, man. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, just blow incredible. by Blow, that's an album everybody should have. Blow, blow, blow. I'm more of a Wired guy myself. I oh, love Wired's him. awesome, too, yeah. Uh, I love him both. I mean, he's a different kind of guitar player, very much, you know, jazz. Well, depending on what era of his career you get. Uh, still probably my favorite is the first Jeff Beck Group album, uh, Truth, which features uh, Ron Wood from Stones on bass, uh, Rod Stewart on vocals. But this isn't like, you know, pop 80s Rod Stewart. This is a young, hungry, bluesy Rod Stewart Jeff Beck group truth amazing album and uh you know it, it's it's great to see Jeff Beck tour it all because he has very bad hearing issues he has that tinnitus or whatever the same thing uh, uh uh Pete Townsend has where he has like constant ringing in his ears which must be mad he's I, too man you know at the at the vault experience when somebody would ask him a question he'd turn to Gene and Gene would tell him the question over the microphone uh, yeah, Ace can't hear well as well. Uh, Ruben told Ace Fairley, like, hey, I named my son after you. And Ace Fairley just had a blank face. And and Ruben was even like, man, Ace. I was like, dude, Ace is deaf, dude. If you would have said it louder. Ace, I got close enough to Ace. I, I had a picture. I, I, that picture I met him in Melbourne, I had it blown up. And when I signed, I go, ah, oh, uh, Ace, I took this picture in, uh, in Melbourne. He's like, oh, you were at the Melbourne show? That was a great show. I was like, yeah, it was. And then after I left, I go, wonder if he thinks I'm from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's see what we got here. I'm looking. I'm looking. And I'll tell you what. I don't see a whole much more. So I think it's about time we get into this awesome review. Something we've talked about doing for years. Yes, we finally got around to do it. Yeah, yes. For years you were saying you want to do this album in particular. And I couldn't agree more because out I, and we're both huge Jimi Hendrix fans, but this one is definitely one uh, that we both agree deserves a spotlight. 
So without further to do, here is the Jimi Hendrix experience, Axis Bold as Love. Now if a six turns out to be nine. I don't mind. I don't mind either. Awesome. 1967? Yes, sir. Actually, I knew that. I, that This one I actually cheated on. Okay. Because uh, I did a little research on the year of this album just so I can rant a little bit when we get to a certain song. Um, Jimi Hendrix, Axis Bold is Love, which uh, we are recording this on December 29, 2007, which will be aired much later. But yesterday, uh, December 28th, was the 50th anniversary of this album. 50 uh, years. Well, uh, that's what you got, huh? Well, I saw somebody posted on Facebook yesterday, 50 years uh, yesterday. Okay, well, I, I've got December 1st, 1967, but I know it was it was held over until uh, January in the States. It was not released until January of 68 here in the colonies. Okay. Well, maybe the... the uh, the person that made that Wikipedia was listening to the album, taking acid, and got the date. There you go. Possible. And uh, yes, this is my favorite of the three albums he released while he was alive. Band uh, of Gypsies, he was dead already, right? No, no, he was still alive when that came out. But this, uh, there's three Jimi Hendrix Experience. This is the the original band uh, right. Experience. So he released four albums while he was alive. Yes, sir. And this is the second of the three experience albums and my personal favorite, but boy, you can't go wrong with either one of those three though. Woo! That's right. What a great, 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 amazing artist. And I shall gush over the great Jimmy Hendrix all through this episode. Um, but uh, Ian, I gotta be honest with you, I have no, no recollection how I discovered this album at all, at all. I know I had it as a kid on a vinyl, but I don't even know if I had this or are you experienced first? I know I went out and bought Electric uh, Ladyland in the 80s. I know that. But uh, the first two Hendrix albums I owned in the 70s, but I can't for the life of me uh, tell you which one I had first. Um, when I was a little kid, I kind of dabbled with Jimi Hendrix. I wasn't really, you know, full-blown Jimi Hendrix. But, you know, I knew the hits, and, and I used to like... Uh, uh, Spanish Castle Magic when I would put this on. That was probably the only song I would play when I was a little kid. I put on Spanish Castle Magic because I felt like the beginning of this album was extremely too weird for me in my youth, but now I feel different. And, uh, oh my God, I mean, I, I will explain further why this is my favorite Jimi Hendrix album. And uh, that's my intro to it. What do you got to say about you know, Do you remember when you first heard this? Uh... I mean, this goes back to being four years old in my first memories. I mean, my dad was a huge, huge Hendrix fan, and he probably had, oh, God, at least 15 vinyls uh, that I go through. You know, my dad had all the different, you know, the, the live albums, the Cry of Loves, all those ones they released after he died and shit. My dad had everything fucking Hendrix. Uh, this one I was always drawn to because of the cover more so out of all the other ones you know I was a kid and it was like a cartoon really really neat looking and I used to be fascinated with a lot of my dad's albums because you know at that age I'm so small and the vinyls are so big and it you know it was like a big book to look at and uh we just stare at it for hours and of course my dad always had it on uh the record player and then 
when he ruined all those records, he went and bought them all again on tape. So anytime we're in the car, you know, he's playing shit like this in the car. So, I mean, from the time I can remember, I, I knew this album and, and loved it. Uh, you know, there was never a point of like having to get into it. Uh, there's just, you know, points where I understood it more. Uh, but I always liked it. Always liked it. And, and this is my favorite of uh, the Jimi Hendrix Experience albums as well. Awesome. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. I remember I dove into this album more, uh, like, shit, late 80s, early 90s is when I really started to, because I, I got a CD box set of uh, Jimi Hendrix, which is called the Jimi Hendrix Story. And it was so many cool fucking um, outtakes on there and some from this album. And I was like, man. And then I started listening to, you know, the three a lot. And then that's uh, it was probably like 89, 90 is when I finally like, whoa. And it was then that I said, yeah, Axis is his best album. Not by far, but it's his best album. I believe so. Uh, funny enough, it is the worst selling of the three of the Hendrix Experience albums. Yeah, it has no hits. I mean, the other one had Voodoo Child and Foxy Lady and Purple Haze, uh all along the Watchtower, the radio hits. Because right. we live in a world that buys more records that are played on the radio. What's played on the radio from this? I mean, on occasion, Little Wing, that's about it. Uh, I would say Little Wing and, boy, maybe once in a blue moon. I might have heard Spanish Castle or if uh, Six was Nine. Yeah, but Six usually, was Nine I've heard on the radio. If, if, if usually it was uh, it was Little Wing. And and there was uh, only one single off of this album to begin with. And, and, a, and a very odd choice that they picked for a single as well. So uh, I can kind of see that. Especially in this day and age where uh, your radio DJs are told what to play. And of course stuff like that's going to come from opinion polls and greatest hits records it's it's gonna be uh the hits unfortunately where i think there's a lot of these songs if they got more radio play i think would be bigger hits and more well known yeah if you listen to some i mean a lot of these songs can be like radio staples but i guess uh, the record company didn't really push it because there's songs here as catchy as foxy lady you know right and, yeah. and, and the the prime reason it was delayed here in the states is because Are You Experienced came, uh, came out in May of 67, and they were still milking it over here in the States. You know, it took a little bit longer here than it did in Europe, and they were afraid that releasing this in December would affect the sales. They're like, hey, we're still milking this cash cow, Are You Experienced? So you can see where all the, you know, it was all money motivated. Right. You know, all they cared about is getting every last drop they could out of it. Well, and that was amazing. So, yeah, I guess they delayed this because he was on the road with the monkeys. Uh, right? When he was on the road with the monkeys, he was uh, promoting the first album, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a very short tour with the monkeys, too. It didn't last very long, uh, you know, because all these people were taking their, you know, it was basically a lot of parents taking their kids to see the monkeys. And then here you have this black man on stage, you know, fucking his guitar and lighting it on fire and smashing it. And it really just horrified uh, white America. <laughs> so so they were they were yanked off that tour pretty quick. I believe it lasted a couple weeks, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Well, you want to start getting into this? Uh, yes, sir. All right, why don't, do you, why don't you take track one? All right. EXP. Uh, amazing that this is... Uh, the final Jimi Hendrix album, 
well, I mean, really only the first two that were issued in both mono and stereo, because I could not imagine hearing this in mono. But, you know, there's this, this big resurgence about going back to 60s era's albums and people swearing that the mono was the way to go because that's how it was recorded. And then when they tried to cut them up into stereo, uh, it lost the effect. Lemmy uh, says that about the Beatles albums. I have been... that Beatles mono box set. And by the way, I one time caught mono. <laughs> and uh, the, the Stones have, have a box set as well. My friend's got that on vinyl, all the all the 60s Stones on mono. Uh, I believe the Beatles, wasn't it up to Sgt. Pepper? Mono? Yeah, then... yeah, yes, I believe so. But oddly enough, that mono box set I bought, you can fit all the other albums in there. Right. They left that little space, so I, I let it be Abbey Road, White Album, that's all in there. But I believe, you know, with the Beatles and as well as the Stones, uh, you know, they started producing the albums in stereo, uh, you know, late to mid-60s, but they would often do two versions because a lot of people didn't have what you would consider a real stereo system. I mean, you have to have two speakers, you know, two separate channels where a lot of people might just have one speaker. That's how your stereo was. So uh, the effect would be lost on most home studios, uh, uh, most uh, stereos anyway, you know. So so those uh, those stereos that were mono back then, it was like left and right went into one speaker? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, because when, when the recording's in mono, it's all the same anyway. There's no there's no separation in a mono recording. Really, I, I could have yeah. sworn like those early Beatles albums, like vocals were on one side. I, I don't believe so. Really, like help, I and uh, I could have sworn, or well, maybe might, you're right. Maybe you're right. But but it could be the the recordings that you hear, uh, you, you know, because they also they went back years later and made stereo recordings ah. of the stuff, and, and and that's what Lemmy was saying is something was lost when they went back and tried to make it stereo, that it sounded better the way it was originally recorded. Yeah, because I know uh, definitely uh, uh, the very first CD I ever bought, well, first three CDs was uh, Metal Church. Oh, fuck, I can't remember this, uh, the second one. And the third one was Are You... Oh, Led Zeppelin Two and Are You Experienced. And our experience was the very first one I put in my first CD player, and it is like you hear Jimmy's voice on one side. Oh yeah, guitar well, on well, the other side. Like I said, that that album was there was two mixes made of that because stereo was coming into its own, but they also sold mono for people who just had that type of system at home. Uh, but you know, from after this album, everything was produced in, in in stereo. You know, as far as Jimmy Hendrix. Gotcha. But. This song, I mean, you you have to hear this in stereo because the way it moves around, and I'll never forget the system that my dad had in his car. It was the most like <laughs> rigged up fucking shit, you know. But uh, you know, my dad made it work. The stereo in the car was broken, so he got these two speakers from Radio Shack. These almost like what you consider like computer speakers, little bookshelf speakers. Yeah. And you know how in the old cars, the headrest, the, the seat you could put up? Yeah. He'd raise it up, and then he'd smash the speaker down on both sides. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he would, he would plug it into a Walkman. So it was, like, <laughs> right next to his head? That played tapes, yeah, so it's right next. But, like, you know, when I'm riding in the car with my dad, you know, and we would listen to this, you know, it, bam, it'd be on my side, and then it'd be on his side. And I always thought it was so cool, and... 
you know, the feedback on this and the, and the strange voices and, you know, and this, Mr. Paul Caruso, you know, you know, and, and all the sound effects and everything. I mean, this is the epitome of, of what you want to hear in stereo and, and more specifically, uh, headphones. And uh, I love EXP. What do you think? Oh, man, what a trip this song is. Woo! This is like, um, uh, it's just all this fucking weird talking like it's a DJ and uh, then all this weird feedback going on and the DJ's voice gets higher and uh, it's just out there and I love it you know it's like expect the unexpected from this album and it shows right from the start so you know pretty much a little short uh, interlude it's like uh, I don't know I mean a, a real lame uh, example I can give is kind of like Motley Cruz in the beginning you know what I mean it's right. just a, a, a little intro to the actual music. And right. uh, love it. Love it. Uh, and then it goes into, you know, up up from the ashes and speaking. Oh, up, from, up from the skies. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. And speaking of unexpected, you know, the first official song is not a rip-roaring guitar jam. It's this mellow and jazzy with some amazing vocals, man. I love how... On the last verse, the vocals trade from the left to the right. You know, each each oh, line yeah. is one left, right. And, you know, and you know, Jimi Hendrix was uh, known to be a very insecure person when it came to his voice. Yes, hated his voice. And I think his voice is so fucking perfect with this, you know, amazing music he wrote. You know, it's so cool. It's just it's a very cool vibe to that voice. And you know. Uh, you know how you always talk about Zappa as such an amazing musician, and right. I, I agree he is. And what he did is even more complex than Jimmy because he had 763 people in his band, so right. he had his hands. He had his hands. <laughs> right. Jimmy right. had two people, and he did stuff just as groundbreaking. You know, oh, yeah. from blues to hard rock to jazz to full blown psychedelia. Uh, the man was criminally in, uh, underrated as a songwriter, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Lyrics, you know, are kind of abstract on here. And you, I love that. I love abstract lyrics, you know? Singing to someone who has his family in a cage, I think, and then goes all over the place and wants to know more about this person. Yeah, well, uh, this, this one's about an, about an alien uh, returning to Earth and can't believe all the, the, the damage that humans have done. Yeah, and, you know, like he'd been here before, and he come back and visit. And wow, these humans really fucked up this beautiful planet. It, it's it's amazing. And he was into like spaced out shit like that, and a lot of uh, like Indian spirituality in his lyrics too, because he's you know he's got Cherokee in him, and he was very in touch with his with his Indian heritage and played a big part in not only his music but his songwriting and his storytelling. Yeah, it's amazing. This song is like. It's it gets me such in a zone, you know. I just wanna do to you. It's so cool, you know. I just it's just like a cool tune. You ever seen that Flintstones episode where um where where Fred thought that Barney was fucking Wilma and he hired a private detective? You ever seen that episode? I'm sure I have, but I can't think of it offhand. Well, you know what was cool was that private detective. Every time he walked, it had that noise. And then, and then he'd get in the car and there's like five hot chicks with him. 
But anyway, it reminds me of that Flintstone episode. Every time I hear that, I just wanna talk. I feel, I think of that guy walking. Do, 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 do. Anyway, yeah, I love Up From The Sky. It's fucking great. Uh, I love it. And the weird thing is, this was the single off the album. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, this, uh, with One Rainy Wish as the B-side, was the only uh, single from the album. Damn. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 a really weird pick. I mean, I love it, but as far as a single, I, I think it was a Axis boldest choice. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know if this was uh, the record company or Jimmy picked this. That I have no idea. But yeah, I love the uh, the, the 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 jazz triplet feel to it, and 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 the wah wah on the guitar and the brushwork by Mitch Mitchell. Uh, who's an amazing, amazing drummer. I think, uh, you know, the most underrated member of the experience, uh, even though I, I love Noel Redding, uh, but Mitch Mitchell, I mean, holy shit. And, you know, further proof that when he broke up the experience, he kept playing with Mitch Mitchell on and off. You know, right. him and him and Noel went their separate ways, but he kept, he, he knew he had something special with Mitch. And uh, just incredible. And all of them, you know, you know Noel too. I mean, their, their contributions are incredible. But, uh, yeah, man, this is just a fucking a classic. Uh, and then we go into one that a lot of people will know, uh, Spanish Castle Magic. And holy shit, is uh, this a rip-roaring rocker? Uh, was written about a club that he used to go to as a teenager called The Castle. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, the lyrics are very kind of, you know... If if you didn't if he didn't say what it was based upon, you'd have no fucking idea by listening to this shit. Uh, but uh, you know, every time I listen to it, I just think of like Hendrix riding a fucking dragonfly, yeah, <laughs> playing I guitar and shit. shit and uh, you know, his vocals are, are great on this, uh, and the drumming is out of this world. Uh, this one, uh, I mean, there's a reason you still hear this one on on radio, hopefully. Uh, I, I dig it. And an eight-string bass played by Noel Redding on this as well. Yeah, he goes ape shit on this song. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. This, you know, when I said earlier this is a 1967 album because I had to do research because of this song because, you know, look, you know, I really don't hate Blue Cheer, you know, uh, but they didn't invent metal. You know, it was Sabbath. We all know this. But let's just say for the sake of argument, uh, that uh, Vince Bus Eruptus was that the name of it? Something like that? Vince Bus Eruptus, the, the first Blue Cheer album, which is considered, you know, the first metal album, uh, came out in 68, you know, the, the following year. It was right. recorded in 67, but, you know, fucking Jimmy didn't hear this. This didn't inspire Jimmy, you know. Uh, Spano Castle Magic to me is just as heavy as anything on that fucking album. It's, you know, proto-metal as all fuck, you know, like Blue Cheer and with some groovy lyrics, man. I love that. Come on, travel on my dragonfly. You know, he's like, <laughs> I, I, I own a dragonfly. Let's go. Like, you know, like if somebody <laughs> has a plane, Jimmy has a dragonfly. <laughs> gotta yeah, I love got that shit. I got a 60, 67 eight-cylinder dragonfly. It's a convertible. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Come on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, dude, and yeah, what you were saying earlier, you know, about Mitch, but not only Mitch, but Noel, dude, this rhythm section is so underrated. 
and so in the pocket. This song is like a fucking organic jam in that solo. Holy fuck, man. He is, you know, Jimi Hendrix is rated perfectly as a guitar giant. He is. I mean, he's right where he should be, you know. Um, it's all over this song. That heavy-ass riff. Jimmy fucking owns, dude. I goddamn love this song. I'll go into the next one, which is called Wait Until Tomorrow. Waiting Until Tomorrow. Wait until I, I love this song, dude. It's a beautiful song. You know, it has Jimmy and his, like, that soft, amazing playing on his guitar while the band in back of him is bashing away. And, you know, he's singing about a song that's prick teasing him. Uh, a chick that's prick teasing him. Like, nah, he wants to bang. She's like, nah, I'll wait till tomorrow. And Hendrix is up on a ladder on her fucking window trying to bang her. And then the dad comes out and shoots him. <laughs> Crazy song, dude. Musically, this song is fucking amazing. Another winner. What do you think of this one? Oh, yeah, I fucking love it. And while I was doing research, it's prime example of how, you know, you can know a song for damn near 40 years, know the lyrics, you can sing along with it when it comes on, but you still never paid attention to what it's about. (laughs) This is one of them. Like, I never realized this shit about the dad shooting him, even though I've sang the lyrics so many times. Like, what? And as I've listened to it, like, yeah, duh. How did I never catch this before? But, yeah, I absolutely love it and how soft and funky and clean that it's so clean and awesome uh, yeah, they even say on here similar to Steve Cropper uh, from Booker T and the MGs and I, I totally get that you know nice clean just funky beautiful sound and he was I mean just so original and groundbreaking I, I can't fathom that you know there are guitar players who say they hate Hendrix uh, yeah say, yeah yeah. Uh, one of them is Marty Freeman. Really? Oh, that's Marty, right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, he I says Hend- Hendrix yeah. sucks. He says he's so out of tune and, and terrible. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, really, motherfucker? I, I, I would rather listen to Hendrix all day long than his fucking yeah. J-pop I, fucking hey, man. I love Marty Freeman. What he did in uh, Recipes and, you know, the Hawaii stuff and Cacophony. But honestly, dude, because I'm, I'm into Shredders and stuff. But I'm more into organic shit. I'll take Hendrix over Friedman and all the shredders any day. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd take this shit over fucking, you know, Ingve, any of that fucking shit. Yep. Uh, you know, another one who, who wasn't big on him is fucking Blackmore. Wow. That's, no, that's not true. Yeah, no, Black, Blackmore didn't like black music, man. That's weird because I, he does a lot of Hendrixy stuff. Yeah, you but know? if you if you ask him, you know, he invented it, you know. Wow, that's mind-blowing, because th- I've never heard Blackmore talk about Hendrix, but at the same time, man, just looking at him perform, he figured he was. Now, he, he didn't like anything that was, like, funk or soulful. Uh, you, you know, that's why he got real mad about when Glenn Hughes was in the band, and, and especially, like, the funk that started showing up on uh Yeah, that, on, that, on that I knew. That You know, he left the, uh, out, he left the fucking band because of that album. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he hates funk, but I had no idea. He didn't like Hendrix. He, he called it shoeshine music. You know, but yet, yet this motherfucker's like a fucking senior citizen dressed like a fucking garden gnome playing at a goddamn fucking... Uh, uh, fucking medieval times you know it's like shit you know I, I, I'll i take Hendrix any day over fucking Blackmore uh, I won't oh uh, well, anything I actually won't I actually won't but that no discredit to 
Hendrix, but Blackmore is like in my top three. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I like Blackmore. He's done some great shit. But to me, uh, you know, he, he pretty much died with uh, Long Live Rock and Roll. Everything after that, anybody else could have done it. And I have absolutely no interest in this fucking garden gnome fucking music he does. You know, I, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but you know what I think is one of his greatest guitar solos? Uh, Stone Cold from Rainbow. Yeah, listen to that guitar solo. I forgot the song. You might yeah. hate the song, but that solo on there is so beautiful. And uh, so so uh, technically awesome. I, I love that song. I, I absolutely love it. It's definitely my favorite, you know, uh, Joe Lynn Turner era song by far, but that's not saying much. But, uh, but to me... It's it's still not as as groundbreaking. I, I mean, I, you know, I think of of the, the early purple stuff and uh, the early rainbow is that Richie Blackmore sound, you know. Uh, Stone Cold. I mean, I, I dig the song, but I can see the guy from Foreigner do the same fucking thing. You know? Well, yeah, but you know, like I say a lot of times, I love AOR. Like that that yeah. era of AOR, I love. Yeah. I love yeah. Sticks, Ario, and Asha. Right, but you know, I'm, I'm just saying it's. I don't think it's as groundbreaking, but it's great. Don't get me wrong. But to me, I don't like if I just heard that, I wouldn't say, "Ooh, that's Richie Blackmore." You know what I mean? If I didn't know where, like some of the other stuff, like it, it has its own unique sound, and uh, you know, and now I know is that fucking European version of Speed King, that intro where the whole band comes in. That's total Hendrix. Fuck you, Richie. What the fuck? That is total Hendrix. Who was doing shit like that? That intro to Speed King before that. Only Hendrix, man. It's crazy. It is. It is. But, I mean, you know, the guy's a fucking prick anyway. I mean, you know. Yeah, even, I know. Even he admits that, you know. Yeah, I know. He. Yeah. I love Blackmore interviews. He's always, like, talking about what a dick he is. Uh, just to get off subject, as we are so good at. Um, my favorite Blackmore is where he was talking about beating up Ian Gillen. He goes, I would like to get Ian Gillen in a dark alleyway. And I would, like, you know, get some of my French mates because yeah. Ian Gillen will totally beat my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want my French mates to kick his ass and I want him to look up and look at me while they're yeah. beating him up. I love that shit. And, and, and how, how bad is it that fucking Deep Purple still won't get together with him no matter what? And even him, the legendary prick he is, He's like, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they're like, nah, nah, I'm good. I, I, we'll, we'll keep playing casinos yeah. with fucking Steve Morris. We're good. Yeah, I don't blame them, though. I mean, Henry, I mean, that last show, which is on video, Come Hell or High Water, highly yeah. recommend you see that. What he pulls at that show, it's like, yeah, I can understand why they don't want him back. Yeah, I, I heard Sebastian Bach wouldn't work with this guy. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's an asshole. Oh, but, uh, but uh, back to Jimmy. And then it goes into Ain't No Tellin'. Ain't and No! Ain't No! Ain't oh. No Tellin', baby! And there is so much shit going on in this song for a song that's basically a Ramon song. I mean, this song is only 1 minute and 46 seconds. Right. But in that 1 minute and 46 seconds, there are so many changes of, of style and tempo and... It is a really, I mean, it's not like a, like the same chord over. He goes all over the place, but this is a rocker that just shows up, kicks you in the ass, and then it's fucking gone. I fucking love this song. What do you think? Fuck yeah. I love the, all the band, you know, the band kicking ass on this dude. All of them are just there in the pocket. And 
you know, it's kind of like in the pocket, but they're keeping up with all these crazy changes, and they're still there. You know what I mean? It's just fucking... And another song tr- of him trying to get pussy. Uh, short and to the point. Not much more I can say about this, except that it rules. But uh, I'll go into the next one. Little Wing, this is musically perfect. It's a gorgeous song with lyrics that are like, oh man, how can I say like, it's kind of like a brush to canvas, you know what I mean? With, you know, with the end product is this beautiful painting, you know, with all those complex chords he does are perfectly executed to make this a song, you know? It's so original, like to have all these different notes and still make it a nice, beautiful song where it's not like, oh, I'm a little confused. And that solo, man. Oh my God, because the, you know, the beautiful lyrics doesn't last too long in that song. And then it goes into that beautiful solo, you know? A bit too short, but I'm fine with that because I have nothing. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it should have been a little longer. No, nah, man, no. Nah. Fuck it. This shit is perfect the way it is. Love Little Wayne. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, the, the, the weird thing I, I was looking at, because uh, I was trying to time out how how long this album was so I knew how many times I could listen to it before, you know, when we agreed we were going to review this. And I was like, wow, man, it, it, it's short for 12 songs. And this song is only 2 minutes and 22 seconds. And it's mind-blowing if you think about the impact of this song the influence of this song. I mean, how many motherfuckers have covered Little Wing? I mean, it's insane. You know, but, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of Stevie Ray Vaughan, but his instrumental for this song is great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, oh yeah, it, it's amazing. But but I would I would like people to, to stop covering Jimi Hendrix. Because <laughs> nine times out of ten, I'm just like, oh, come on. Yeah. Even, even when it's good, I, 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 I don't know what it is. It's just, it's almost like the Beatles. Some shit's just sacred. Don't cover it. Don't cover it. You know, you, you can't better it. Uh, just leave it alone. By the way, the boneheads out there that are itching and listening to us now, yes, we know Skid Row covered it. Yeah. 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 Oh, God, besides ourselves. I forgot about that shit. I actually like the version they did on the actual video, which is different than the EP version. The EP version is, doesn't really grab me. I like the, cause they, the video to Little Wing Skid Row did, they did it live in a rehearsal space. And I thought they did a good job, but shit. Nowhere near as good as this. Get out of town. Oh, yeah. And nobody can touch this. And what's so cool about this is, man, if, if you watch old interviews with Hendrix, man, he was just a really cool, chill guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like real peaceful, real fucking spiritual. And I ain't into all that spiritual shit, but I mean, you got to think, you know, this is the 60s and all these motherfuckers are on acid, but... You know, here's a guy that had a really, really troubled childhood, a really rough childhood. Uh, you know, gets hurt in the military, comes out and plays basically on the Chitlin circuit. You know, backing up, he played for Little Richard for a while. You know, all the other, you know, the R&B acts at the time. But for what he wanted to do, man, he couldn't get nothing going on here. You know, as a as a black man playing harder rock and roll, it wasn't till he went to. You know, Europe. I mean, that's when he got big is when he went to England. And then here he finds a place, you know, in England where, wow, you know, not perfect. There wasn't quite as many, you know, prejudice, you know, like he didn't have to deal with the fact that he was a black man over there like he did in the States. You know what I mean? 
right. and people were more open and he got into the hippie scene there and he was just seen as like this amazing guitar player man and then the Beatles loved him clapped and loved him all these guys you know he got respect over there he got you know and, and became part of a really cool scene you know and then came back here and became a superstar unfortunately he didn't live long enough to see just how big and legendary he would become but you know uh, just a, a, a really cool dude and, and when you realize what this song's written about he wrote this about the first performance of the Jimi Hendrix experience in America at the Monterey Pop Festival and he, and he he said just like what what an incredible experience it was for him to come back to America and to go to this festival where he said everybody was cool man he he, he says the cops were there and they weren't hassling nobody and everybody's high and just beautiful kids running around just enjoying life he said it was just the vibe of it was so positive and so amazing at a time when I mean you got you know, the civil rights movement, you've got, you know, the Vietnam War, you got all this shit going on, but he comes back to America and, and just sees basically like a perfect day of music and, and peace and everything. And then he said he he, he translated that positive feeling in, in, into a woman and wrote this song. I mean, that's trippy into itself, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But he was real abstract with, with his writing and like one of his biggest influences uh, was Bob Dylan, right? And and, and he got he got a, a lot of inspiration from Bob Dylan because not only of his lyrics, he, he said he loved Bob Dylan's lyrics, but he loved that Bob didn't have a good voice, but still but still sang with conviction. And you know, a lot of my favorite singers, uh, I'm, I'm not saying Bob Hello. Dylan, one of my favorite singers, but uh, I, I love singers like Hendrix, like Dylan, like Neil Young. Like me. Uh, like, like, well, no, you have an angelic voice. Uh, it's not, but, it's, it's no Daddy Vieira. <laughs> no, no, it's no Daddy Vieira. But, uh, but there's just something about it. If, if you have that conviction about it, it comes through and it supersedes everything else. You know, I, I know a lot of people who can sing the fucking phone book, but just have no talent. And no, they're basically a uh, walking karaoke machine. Like I say about guitar players, bro. Like what we were saying earlier, Marty Freeman, technically better, but emotionally, Hendrix owns him. I wouldn't even say technically better. Well, uh, okay, let me let me put it this way. Let's take Hendrix out of it. You know, like think of a guitar player not as technical as, I can't think of anybody now. Oh, Blackmore. There you go. Who do you like better, Blackmore or Friedman? Blackmore. And he's not technically better than Friedman. Right. Well, I, I, I mean, I guess if you want to get the thing that th those kind of guitarists have over the others is the speed, you know. Right. But but Gene Simmons nailed it like a motherfucker, and I think it was the exposed video or not exposed, uh, extreme close up or one of those ones. You know, he's like, it gets to a point where that thing sounds like an angry bee, and you just want to shoot it. There's no soul. You can go as fast as as can be, but if it doesn't have metal melody, if it doesn't have like feeling behind it, I I could give a shit. You know, or, or, you know, another, well, uh, uh, quote about that subject matter is Steven Tyler. It's like, you know, all that riffing, it's like masturbating really hard, but wouldn't you rather, like, take it slow and milk it for all it's worth? Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's I, how I roll. 
I agree, and I, I think Jimmy just ran the gamut of, like, not only playing mind-blowing shit, but, you know, he can play slow, and he can play clean, and he can play really dirty, and, you know, I've heard other people make claims that he was all special effects, you know, oh, without pedals, he'd be terrible. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's bull He didn't need all that shit, but he knew how to use it and how to create something new, but he didn't need it. No, you Little know? Wing, I mean, he barely used it. Right. You know, it wasn't until the end when he went into the solo, but everything before that was beauty and no fucking effects or nothing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Fuck it, everybody, it, man. Yeah, it's masterful playing. And, and pe people who fucking slam Hendrix or don't get Hendrix, uh, I, I don't get you. I, I, I really think you just have no soul. Yeah, stay Japan. You know? Uh, you know, and, and that, that's the thing I, I, I love about it, man, it is to, to me... You know, a good guitar, you should be able to fuck to it. Yeah. You know, if it's just too, like, you know, that that's that's like some, like, you never had pussy before kind of shit. It should have a rhythm and a and a groove and a feeling, you know, goes a lot further than the technical ability. I agree. I'm not going to lie. I love Shredders. I love it. But I'll prefer this over Shredders any day. But again, back to Hendrix, let's go into the next one. Holy fucking shit. A song so amazing, even God himself did a cover of it. If Six Was Nine. Woo! I love this one. Uh, what an incredible song about individuality and just being your own person and fuck everybody else, you know. I'm the one who's got to die when it's my time, you know, that kind of shit. I fucking love that. Let me live I, my life like I want, want to. to. <laughs> I, I mean, not only is the music great, but the message is great. And, uh, you know, and I, and I love that he's talking to everybody. He's like, even if the hippies cut off all their hair, I don't care. I don't, you know, I'm still going to be me. And, you know, and if you want to be uptight, you know, white collar conservative you know and shit like that yeah you go do you I'm gonna be me cause it's my life and, and I, I fucking I love that and the music is so hot, hard and powerful too uh, reminds me a lot of 5 to 1 by the Doors yeah you know, you know. who came first uh, I think the Doors right no I, I, I wanna say uh, cause 5 to 1 was on Waiting for the Sun so that that had to be sixty-eight. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm I'm sure this one came first, but both of them, just like not only what they're talking about, but but in the song structure, you know, it's kind of like a, it, it it's like, not like a militant march, but there's just something like powerful about it, and 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 the message behind it, I just love about you know, being an individual, fuck everybody else. Uh, great song and a great way to end side one incredible yeah, what do you think I think it's the Fonzie of all Jimi Hendrix songs <laughs> it's the coolest jam heavy killer lyrics you know it's just you know it's just pure very rebellious song middle section goes into that fucking outer space crazy Noel and this is a song where Noel really goes into do 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 that crazy shit he does and Mitch are just going ape shit and keeping up with Jimmy. Then it slows down with that spoken word. It's so badass. Then it goes off to another planet with some. Who the fuck is playing that crazy flute? Uh, oh, uh, that that is Hendrix. 
And there's also debate on that, uh, whether he was playing a flute or he was playing a recorder. Right. It could have been a recorder, yeah, actually, yeah. And, and I believe most stories lean to it was him playing a recorder and saying that it was the first time he ever, you know, the thing was just laying around the studio. He, right. You know, he never played it before, just picked it up and, uh, you know. And, it's just, it, and, and he took, what he did was he didn't play it properly. He made it sound right. like a fucking UFO. You know, like these weird fucking noises, and you know, that shit's just a musical head trip. That part of the song, yeah, God, I, I love this guy, dude. He's just so amazing. Um, yeah, I love this song. Uh, next one, uh, you got me floating. Yes, you do. Around and round. You got me floating round and round. Man, Woo. is this song catchy as fuck, huh? Mm-hmm. Straight ahead, rocking tune with again more cool lyrics that matches the. Cool as fuck voice this guy's got. What a shame he never really appreciated his own goddamn voice. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's just a cool fucking tune with these awesome. I love the backing vocals in the chorus, which I figure is Noel and, and, uh, and Mitch, I figure. Um, you know, songs like this is hard for me to pinpoint in words how amazing it is. It's just uh, it's just a great fucking song. It's just another gem on this amazing album. There's some of these songs, you know, be honest with you, you know, I was I was listening to it last night and I was thinking, man, it's kind of hard for me to describe, you know, uh, with justice how good these songs are cuz I mean, I, it's kind of easy for me to do with other songs, but I don't know, when it comes to Hendrix man, it's like got it. I can't hit the the mark on how how much it means to me. But, but this there, is another great song. There, there's so much going on, and and this is one of those, you know, artists and albums where, you know, I, I think fans of our show are going to appreciate how we talk about it. But you, you've seen from our YouTube reviews, which opens us up to a whole nother audience. You know, there's other people that when they hear a review of this, they want to hear, well, Jimmy played this in a definished five A note. Uh, G chord open tune to D and shit like that and you know we're not going to do that shit you know we're very much more about how emotionally the, the song hits us and everything and hey if, if you like those type of reviews there are other podcasts out there that do that shit we are not one of them <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm the worst at knowing shit like that because I'll give you an example there was a show we played and uh, my ex-guitar player was telling me that the, uh, our original guitar player many thrash he he tuned his guitar on i forgot what uh tone tune whatever you know yeah. what what key and i sang the whole show like extra high because of it so even unconsciously if you know i'm singing to whatever key the band's playing and uh i ruined my voice that night this was an early show where i didn't um warm up and uh yeah, that's why I brought that up. Yeah, he played in like some key where I had to sing higher, and I did it for like 45 minutes. And then I was like, the next day, I was like, God damn, I fucked up my voice. And then he was telling me, it's because this idiot fucking was tuned really high on A or whatever fucking one it was. But uh, you got me floating. Oh, my God. What what a great fucking song. A great way uh, to pick up side two. Because it really, uh, you know, that, that's the beauty of records, too, you know, and... and 
because it's something where you have to pause and do that. There's so many times when I'm jamming around the house and, and doing stuff, but there always comes that point where I got to stop what I'm doing and go flip the fucking record over. But I love it. And, and, think, and think about it. This is uh, very weird because, you know, usually you have like a heavy track starting an album, a heavy track starting side two. This one's different, you know? Yeah, but but I mean, it, it just gets the momentum going right around. Like as soon as I flip it over and that needle hits, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, you got me floating. Yep. And it's cool because it makes me look at it like that because, you know, for years, I mean, I grew up with it on record. Uh, when I was real small, but my dad, you know, this record sounded like ass when I was four because of how my dad treated his records. Uh, you know, because my dad, my dad was one of those guys. You know, he'd get drunk and go, "Oh, hold on, I want to hear this song." And we'd be like, <laughs> you know, yeah. to get to that song. Uh, I call so, it Rice Krispies. <laughs> so yeah, so so this song sounded like they were. I mean, his record sounded like they were played on a fucking singer sewing machine. But. Uh, uh, but, you know, and then we listened to the tape a lot my dad's car. But then, you know, for years and years, I listened to the CD. So when you do it like that, it's all one constant. You know, you kind of lose the what's one side, what's the other side. Uh, but it was it was neat today because I, I was doing dishes while I, I was listening to this and jamming. And I went there and flip it over. And then as soon as the needle hits, it goes red and you got me floating. I'm like, God damn, it just picks right up and fucking just keeps jamming a great fucking again some really good funk on this and uh and it, but it's not like funk is in like a you know a parliament kind of way it's it's it, well closer to funkadelic you know like it's a just, groovy funk yeah yeah just really good shit but it you know this is kind of if you don't like you know move your hips a little bit when you hear this or bob your head you're not alive i mean it's just this is music you feel uh, your whole body should feel, your mind should feel. I mean, this is just, this is the complete shit right here. Love you got me floating. And then it goes into probably one of the saddest songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, but it, God damn, it's so beautiful. Castles Made of Sand. Um, I would almost say this is the best lyric he ever wrote. Uh, absolutely an amazing lyric every every verse is a sad tale of somebody playing something but it happened the other way and uh you know basically kind of like you know life's what happens while you make plans <laughs> you know when nothing goes as planned and uh it's just so so beautiful and uh but sad at the same time and even though, you know, some people say the last verse is, is kind of optimistic, but it's still about a chick, you know, killing herself to avoid the pain. Uh, you know, uh, but, you know, a lot of people say this is his most autobiographical song. But but still, the way he writes it, you know, you, you don't necessarily see it that way. I see it as a bunch of different separate stories about different characters. Uh but for a long time, this was my favorite song on the album. Uh, I would now say it, it, it's my second. It's barely my second. I, 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 but then again, I don't know. Maybe it is tied for first. This is just... I, I don't know. I don't know if you can find a more beautiful, tragic song than, than this song. Absolutely love it. What do you think? Well, I'll agree with you on two points. Number one, I think it is his best lyrics ever. 
And it is my second favorite song on the album. Hands down. Uh, it's a masterpiece. You know, and, you know, you covered it all as far as lyrics. Because I, I kind of knew that. Uh, you know, because, you know, uh, metaphorically, the castle made a fan. Go, uh, sand goes into the sea eventually. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it, it's such a chill tune. And it has, like, a bit of an edge to it. You know, it's not like, you know, uh, Wind Cries Mary, which I love, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like in the realm of Wind Cries Mary, but it's, it's also at a league of song. Yeah, I, I like it even more than Wind Cries Mary. Oh, no, me too. Hands down. Yeah. I love Wind Cries Mary. I do love that song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, the lyrics on Wind Cries with, you know, fucking Jackson. Oh, right. Amazing. But yeah, uh, you pretty much covered what I was going to say. Um... Because I agree with you on two points, and you know, I just you know, I think it's a beautiful fucking song. It's great, yes. And, and you know, another glowing example why this man was a genius and criminally underrated as a songwriter. This ain't no fucking hey, look at me, look how I can play my guitar. This is like hey, look at me, look how I can write a masterpiece. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was ever like that with his playing. Honestly, for for as as, as flamboyant and as amazing as it was. I never think it ever overshadowed the song. You know what I mean? It, 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 if anything, no, no. It, it just served the song. No, it doesn't, but in popular culture it does. I'm talking about, right. you know, uh, when you read you know, books or anytime you see a special on Hendrix, they always focus on guitar playing. Right. You know, they, they barely ever, if they ever do, they, they just scratch the surface of what a genius songwriter he is. I mean, look, I'm not a fan of Prince. But I can tell you this, listen to Prince, but he he's considered a genius songwriter, and I, I hear a lot of Hendrix and Prince, you know, like a, a lot of Blueprint. Yes, there's a lot of uh, 80s sounds and different sounds, right. but, but he does these, like, you know, weird lyric-type things, and he's oh, yeah. an amazing guitar player, but you don't really hear that much about... When you talk about Prince, you talk about what a genius he was, songwriter. But you don't really hear... Oh, he was an amazing guitar player. I mean, you do hear it, but not to the extent of what a great songwriter he is. Well, right. dude, I, I think he's the opposite of Hendrix, you know, as far as popular culture's opinion on it. Right. Because that, you know, and you know I'm not a Prince fan, but, dude, that performance he did with Tom Petty doing... Oh, Walmart, my guitar. Walmart guitar. Yeah, goddamn. Woo! Yeah, yeah. The, guy, the guy could play. I'll give him that. All right, so, um, uh, She's So Fine. Yes, but um, no writing stuff. Yeah, Noel sings this. It's kind of, it reminds me of a cross between the Who and the Kinks. And I'm fine with that, you know. Uh, I really do like the song, but it's pretty off the beaten path. This is the one where I feel it's kind of like, doesn't really blend well with the rest of the album for me. Even if the path has, you know, many different twists and turns, this one is kind of a, I don't know, a sore thumb on the album. I don't hate it at all. But if I was to pick my least favorite, it would have to be this one. Uh, well, I would I would agree with you there. But that's like, you know, the, the worst blowjob you ever came to. Uh, you know, it, it's still good. Uh, and and I, I think what really makes it stick out is is its Noel singing. Other than that, I think it would fit in fine. And I love, when I was doing some research on the song, uh, this one, the first ones they recorded for for this and uh it's a song Noel wrote about hippie chicks and uh and jimmy loved uh what uh the tuning that he wrote it i think it was in 
uh, A with an open G, some fucking shit like that. I don't understand, but whatever it was, it was something that Jimmy really enjoyed playing, and he had no problem with with Noel singing. I mean, he he liked being part of the band, and he liked the focus not being on him. He enjoyed being able just to sit back and play a song and get lost in it, and uh, and he really dug it, and I dig it. But yeah, I can see it's it's one of those things, you know, just you want to hear Jimmy's voice. But yeah, I, I, I I really do hear a musical difference too. Like I said, it yeah. kind of sounds to me it sounds like the Who and the Kinks in a blender. Yeah, but I, I love both of those. So. I mean, early early Who, you know what I'm talking right, about? Right, right. You know, you know, uh, pictures of Lily. Yeah, era, era yeah. you know. And I love that shit. No, me too. Yeah, yeah. I own all that stuff. You know? All right, what do you think of the next one? One rainy wish. One Rainy Wish. This was the B-side to the only single, Up From The Skies. This is my favorite song on the album. Uh, Man, do I love this fucking song. Uh, I love the way it starts out one way and and goes into another. Uh, You know, it starts out real slow and mellow and kind of cool, and it's like... I have never laid eyes on you, you know, and then it, it just goes to a totally another vibe and, and, and just like a good fucking part. That's a, that's the best thing. Like, like, like when I hear the song and the way it starts out, you know, that's kind of like, you know, you, you know, you know, you're sucking, you're sucking her titties, you know, you know, and, and you're finger banging her a little bit, you know, and you're making out and all this stuff. But when it goes in that part, that that's like, Bam! Then you shove it in all the way, and you get the fucking. And I love that shit, man. Um, and the guitar playing on this is just fucking mind blowing. And it's one I never hear anybody talk about. I never hear anybody talk about "One Rainy Wish." Uh, you know, even though, like we said, there's no real like you know the hits hits. You know, everybody talks about like you know "Hey Joe" and "Purple Haze," "Wind Cries Mary," and. Uh, all along the watchtower and shit like that, you know, but nobody says, oh, yeah, one rainy wish. Uh, but to me, it, it, it's my favorite. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's a fucking cunt hair above castles made of sand uh, for my favorite song on the album. I can't say enough good about it, but, you know, I, I can't keep going on and on. Really, what you need to do is just listen to this fucking song and, and just appreciate the brilliance of it. Absolutely love it. What do you think? Adore this song. It's it it's like kind of like Castle Made of Sand, Wind Cry Mary territory with this heavy twist added to it. And Jimmy don't sing soft the whole time. You know, it, it is a very very deep track though. You know, I mean that's why nobody talks about it. Like right. Uh, but it's 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 as majestic as anything on this album. And I really love this one as well. I mean. Just another great song, and you know what I really love about this song is that guitar thing he does while he's singing that, that weird thing he does. Yeah, it's so cool, dude. It just adds this really cool thing to it, you know. Love it. All right, I'll go into the next one. That heavy, funky song, "Little Miss Lover." Yes, uh, this one has such a killer, stinky vibe to it, dripping of sex. I want to bang a chick to this album. When this gets, when this song comes on, I want to get her on all fours and bang her so hard that my balls are slapping her clit. Yes. You know? uh, that's what I want to do. I want to fuck a girl in this album, and then I get really rough during this part. And uh, and pull her hair, too, while I'm at it. 
That's what I think of this song. Fucking A, right. I love. I would love to have sex with this song because it's about as long as I last. Two minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. This is a funky, dirty little number, man. Uh, I love it. A L- little bit... Uh, I don't know if you could call it menacing, but it's a little bit dirtier to me than anything else on the album. It, you know, it just got that, that, that dark groove, that little miss. Oh, man. And, and what he hits on the guitar right there. Oh, man. Uh, a great one. It's like, what a solid album this is. Yeah. And That's again, why it's the best fucking Andrews album. And again, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, the... the uh, the links on these songs, most of them are under three minutes. Let's see, we got uh, two songs that are three minutes and two other songs that are over three minutes. Everything else is under three minutes. But they're so good. But I, I noticed that the other day I was looking at some Beatles shit and realized all these amazing Beatles songs that are under three minutes. Like, you got to be shitting me. Because to me they're masterpieces, and 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 they're they're so short though. But man, all the fat is trimmed, and it's it's all fucking killer, you know. And then we also go back to an era, you know. To me, the best thing for music ever was the vinyl format because of the limitations of time. You, you know, I've, we've talked at length about you know how the CD age ruined albums. Because there's just too many fucking songs, and nine times out of ten, they're not up to par. Everything would be better. Like, all, all albums should be, like, 45 minutes or less, I think, to have maximum impact, yep. uh, you know, digestible, uh, you know, and, and there's no room for a shit song, you know, you know, with 45 minutes. When you got CDs that are, like, 70 minutes long, there's room for a lot of fucking overblown, pompous shit. You know, or songs that just normally wouldn't make the cut, and and back then you didn't have that. You know, you just did what you, what you did, and it had to be good. Little Miss Lover fucking kicks ass. All right, well, why don't you take the final song, the uh, title track, if you will, "Bold as Love." What an amazing way to end an album. Jim lay Jimmy laying down those beautiful melodies and amazing chorus. You know, just acts. The axes. Yeah. I love an album that is amazing all the way through and then ends with my favorite track. This song is my favorite track. His vocal delivery on this song, I feel, is his best vocal delivery. Then it goes into this other part that takes the song soaring with such an amazing solo and a beautiful melodic solo. It's a solid song, solid drumming, solid bass, solid guitar, solid lyrics, solid album. This album is as solid as the sun, shining forever in my record collection. Favorite track of the album, title track, Bold as Love. Love it. Just ask the axes. Oh, God. Sends chills down my spine, man. I mean, it, it's so, so good. Uh, great way to end it. Uh and, and, and another song that you know takes different avenues, uh, different tempos, different rhythms, uh, just beautifully sung. And, and man, what a what a cohesive fucking album. Uh, you know, it's it's just man, th- these are when albums were albums. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, 
and I, I, I really I feel bad for people who don't get this or, or haven't heard it yet. And I, I have hope for people, uh, you know, that we might turn somebody on with this one. Even if, you know, you just know a couple of Hendrix songs or whatever, man, this is the one to go and buy. You know, and check it out, man. Do, you know, have a couple of drinks. Do some fucking street drugs, man. Put some headphones on or fucking crank your turntable as high as it'll go. And, and, and listen to this shit with no distractions, no bullshit. You know, at least for the first time. Don't be hanging out with your buddies. Just set time aside for Jimi Hendrix. And, and you will be rewarded, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's just, it, it, it's beautiful. And it's artistry that you just don't see that much anymore. Hardly at all. You know, somebody doing something so original and so soulful. Uh, man, I just, I, I dig the fuck out of this album. And that's why it is my favorite out of the first three. Uh, I love Are You Experienced? I think, I think it's a great album. Um, there are certain songs that just suffer overkill for me because of radio. Not that I, I, I still love the songs. It's just, you know, points been driving, driven home a little bit too much. I absolutely adore Electric Ladyland. In fact, as soon as we get done, I'm going to jam Electric Ladyland. I wish I had that on vinyl. That'll be my next purchase. Well, I have, um, the, I have like the old version. I don't have one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the new one, man. Because if they did as good a job as, as Axis, I can't wait. I, I love Ladyland. I, I do. It's, it's really oh, good. Amazing album. Uh, but there's just something about this uh, because it, it doesn't. It. This is a kitchen sink album. There's so many different type of styles. I love the psychedelic aspect of this one. I think more so than the other two. Uh, just, just mind blowing, and and please, please, check out Jimi Hendrix and, and turn other people on to him, man. And and not only just like say, hey, check out some Hendrix. Bring up this album in particular, you know. Say, hey, check out Axis Molded Blood. Don't just go get a greatest hits, man. Check out this because this is a an album in the purest sense, man. This is a, a work of art. I, I love it. And we've been talking about doing this album for a fucking, what, two years now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always said, uh, I guess you said it, but we both said it. We got to do this one first. Yeah. You know? Oh, we yeah. got to do Axis first. Cause, so this isn't something that you got from your brother or anything, huh? I don't remember. Like I said in the beginning of the show, I don't know how the fuck I ended up with this album, but I have the album. I, ha- I still have it. I just want to get the 180 gram. And... I know I didn't go out and buy it. I, I think it was a hand-me-down, or I got it somehow because it's an album I don't really put on that much because it's kind of scratched up a bit, you know. And the and the cover is totally fucked. I mean, I think this may be from the '60s. It may be an original pressing, as far as I know. But I I know I ended up getting it up. It was like one of you know, it was one of my records in my record collection as a little kid. Like you know, when I started getting into music, I got it in the late '70s. I figure. Uh, right. I'm not quite sure though, but God, I love it. And you know, before we go into, there's something very important I wanted to say before you give all the information we do go into pick of the week. I want to dedicate this show to somebody called Sam Wood, who was uh, an amazing person that worked for the city of Miami Beach, who unfortunately took his own life uh, earlier this year. Um, and the reason that why I want to dedicate this song to him because he saw Jimi Hendrix at the Miami Highlight, and that's a big, you know. Uh, Right. His, historic thing because even before I met Sam Wood, 
I knew about Jimi Hendrix playing the Miami Highlights, you know, and uh, in 69, I believe. And, you know, oh, yeah, Jimi Hendrix played there. Jimi Hendrix played there. I was like, wow, you know, he actually played there. Well, Sam Wood went, and he actually uh, still had the ticket. And uh, he was a great, great, a great kind soul, chill dude, uh, refused to cut his hair, uh, had a cool skullet. He nice. was a good guy. He was a good dude with a big Jim Croce uh, mustache. And nice. I miss him. He was a great guy, dude. I, I love, he would come to every family, you know, all our family cookouts, you know, he's just sit there quiet. You know, I go up to him, talk to him. And I loved him. He worked for the city. That's how, you know, he's my brother's great friend. And uh, unfortunately, he took his life uh, earlier this year. And uh, I just wanted to dedicate this show to him. So this is for you, Sam. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Sam, if, if you can hear this, I <laughs> hope you dug it. Uh, this was released, depending on who you ask, either December 1st or what What did you come up with? December what? Uh, 28th. Yes. What? 28th. Uh, in the UK. It wasn't released till January in the States uh, of 1968. And this one has gone platinum. Uh, that's it. <laughs> hey, that's not bad, though. You figure. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, an album that doesn't have that many hits, you know. Right, but I'm just. Uh, I, I was really, I was really shocked by that. That uh, to, to me, an album of this stature and as long as it's been out, platinum. I was like, wow. It showed sales. Uh, the, the the biggest selling studio album he had was uh, Are You Experienced, which went five times platinum, and I believe. Uh, Electric Ladyland only went platinum as well, but overall it sold more copies than this. Well, Electric Ladyland, don't they count each album as, you know? Yeah, I'm not so sure how that probably, works. It's probably, it probably went gold, you know? No, but you figure all along the Watchtower and Voodoo Child, that must have sold more than this album. You know? Right, but, but again, doesn't make it a better album in my book. No, even, even, well, even though it's it, it's fantastic, but uh, so, so does that make Hysteria better than fucking High and Dry? You know, ugh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't get me started. Don't yeah. get me started. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, this this is something that should be in everybody's collection, and uh, I, I think it's important to to open up your mind to other stuff because there there is so much more out there than rock and metal. You know, and and that's and that's what we love. I mean, both. I mean, I, Ralph. I think you would agree. Our number one favorite genre of music is metal. Well, like I always say, I like different genres, but it all takes a backseat to metal. All right. Well, uh, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? Actually, I am looking through my stuff as we speak. So, do you have something? Yes, I do. Uh, the the original album I wanted to pick is no longer in print. Uh, so I wanted to pick something that that people can go out and buy, you know, because what, what's the sense if I pick something that, that 90% of the people won't be able to attain? Because I know not everybody can do the, the illegal downloading and everything. Uh, but there was so much stuff recorded by Jimi Hendrix before he passed away that, that never made it onto albums. And there's been, there's probably like 20 fucking albums that have pretty much the same set list, but some are different recordings, different mixes. 
Uh, the original album I wanted to pick was Voodoo Soup, an album that came out in the 90s. Ah, I own that. Uh, that, that I absolutely love. But that yeah. is that is no longer in print. Oh, shit, really? Okay, right, I, got yeah. it. I got it, yeah. Because it was replaced by new ra- uh, First Rays of the New Rising Sun. Shit, I own that too. Uh, which is amazing. They, they have a lot of the same songs. Some are different, some are different mixes. But to, to me, it's some of Hendrix's finest fucking work. Uh, you know, he only did three albums with the experience, then he did the Band of Gypsies, and, and, and that kind of petered out. As much as I love Band of Gypsies, uh, you know, his all-black band, that kind of petered out after a couple shows, but he did a lot more recording where he would keep Mitch Mitchell but have different people come in and out. But these are songs that I feel... I mean, some of his freedom. Isabella, Nightbird Flying Angel, Room Full of Mirrors. Oh, my dude, God. Dude, I gotta, I, I'm going to send you this, Ian. Forget that version, dude. I got a version of Room Full of Mirrors. It's the greatest version there is. It's uh, it's it's just him doing it in the studio, and I think it blows it away. But I love that. I love that version. Don't get me wrong. Right. You know, making love in the mirror. Oh, my I love that's one of my favorite Hendrix songs. Oh yeah, I, I played it on my radio show not too long ago. But uh, yeah, Roomful Angel, what a yeah. great ballad. Oh yeah, Dolly Dagger, Easy Dolly Rider. Dolly Dagger, oh yeah, Drip. Easy Rider, uh, yeah. ri- totally ripped off on the song uh, Medicine Man by White Snake. Listen to it. Uh, Drift, drifting. Oh my God, yes. drifting is a beautiful yeah. song. It's a great song. Uh, I is, mean... uh, uh, is um, back from the storm on that one? Uh, I I think it, it is, but with a different title. Okay. Because some of these stuff stuff would change, but beginning, stepping stone, my friend, straight ahead. Hey baby, the new rising sun is amazing. Earth blues, Astro Man, yeah, in from the storms on it, and another one. One of what a powerful song, uh, belly button window. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh my god. Um. But these are amazing songs that, unfortunately, you know, I I think, you know, I mean, the the, the length is like 70 minutes. So these could have been two other albums of amazing songs. But here's a collection where you can get all these. I highly, highly recommend First Rays of the New Rising Sun by Jimi Hendrix. I, I think it's a really good, you know... Uh, let let you know where he was at right before his untimely passing. That is my pick of the week. All right, cool. My pick of the week is, uh, and it, it's a very, very different uh, type of music from this artist because, after all, it's his solo album. I'm talking about the Phil Lynott album. Um, it, I don't know what year. I think this was like 82 or something, early 80s. Yeah. Um, oh my God! Yellow Pearl. Uh, my favorite. My one of my favorite songs ever is Old Town. I mean, that song makes me so sad, and it's not a sad song. But you know, when he's like, "This boy is cracking up, this boy is broken down," uh, co-written with Jimmy Bain. Um, I love the Phil Lynott album. I, I, you know, I sometimes I don't, you know, play it on constantly, but when I'm in the mood, it's 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 different. You know, it does. It some of it does sound of the time, but uh, it's nothing like Thin Lizzy except for the amazing voice of Phil Lynott. So that is my pick of the week, uh, the Phil Lynott album. He had two solo albums, and uh, the other one was good too. I think the other one was called Yellow Pearl, wasn't it? 
Uh, oh, no, so- Solo and Soho, yeah. yeah Solo Which and Soho. Which did have, it did have Yellow Pearl on that one, too. Yeah, that, that that's his first one, was Solo and Soho. Yeah, so mine's the second one. The second, yeah. My, my pick's the second Solo. Yeah, from, from 1982. Ah, I, I got it right. Yeah, I I have both of those, and uh, I've, I've never listened to them. I need to check them out. Yeah, check it out. I mean, it's different. You don't expect Thin Lizzy, but what do you expect? You're going to do a solo album, you know? It's kind of like the Vieira Vault. Why am I going to do Rock and Metal Combat Podcast over there? Right, and he also has another one uh, that I have. I haven't checked out. He he had a band. Yeah, Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Yes, I have Grand Slam. The studio sessions. I have a it's yeah. a sixteen track collection. Uh, yeah, I have like a download of that. You know, and, but and, I, I don't own a hard copy of that. I don't know if that ever was released. Probably no, was. No, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I do. He does. That's uh, dedication, which Thin Lizzy re-recorded. Right. Was a Grand Grand Slam song. Right, uh, but yeah, I need to check out those uh, Villanot, uh Do you know the song "Old Town"? Uh, I think I, I listened to it once after you talked about. I believe you brought it up when we had uh, Darren Warren on the show. Okay, uh, and it it didn't grab me at first. I, I didn't hate oh, it, but it didn't grab me. But dude, it, g- give it another chance. It's an amazing, beautiful song. Right. Well, a, a lot of uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the Lizzie had to grow on me. and the more I listened to it the more I appreciate it but uh you know I was definitely a hits guy in the beginning uh, but it's something that you know I, I kept forcing myself because I'm like uh, too many people like this shit what am I missing and on repeat listenings you know I really got it and that that's why when we do these reviews even when it's albums I've heard a thousand times I give multiple listens because opinions do change and sometimes you get stuff that you didn't get the first round. So I'll give it another listen. All right. Well, now it's time to get into fan of the week. And uh, this fan of the week, I don't know a whole lot about, but man, he's been posting very regular. And not only does he comment, but he creates his own post. And that's something I really like. You know, when we had that drama you know, a, a month or two back, you know, about people bitching about what's on the page. You know, I was like, hey, fuck you. What do you post? You know, where's your shit? Well, this is a guy that not only comments, but posts. And, and I enjoy almost everything he does. And that's Dustin Jones. Are you familiar with Dustin Jones, Ralph? Man, I'm sorry, just uh, Dustin. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm an old guy. And I think I'm getting fucking uh, dementia. But no, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry, Dustin. Uh, well, Dustin, I definitely see what you post, and I appreciate it, and you're, you're very active. I don't know a lot of history about you, how you came into the show or anything, but I'm glad you're here, and uh, I'm glad you enjoy the show, and I hope you spread the word, and uh, you know, just want to let you know, I do appreciate everything that uh, you add to the page. That's what it's all about, brother. So thank you very much, Dustin Jones. You are our fan of the week. All right, Dustin. Yeah, keep uh, keep it up, dude. Keep posting. I love that shit. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to the plugs. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as 
ultra sexy classic album series where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8pm UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room, and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say, and we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it because my show rules, and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right, this is the Ayatollah of Alcoholic, Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like, too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey, everybody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. All right, Kiss Army.
Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. All right, well, if you love this episode, and if you didn't, you're a fucking asshole. That's right, you are. True science. <laughs> come back next week when we actually have a live garden gnome come on the show and describe how Richie Blackmore ripped him off. Oh, shit. Yeah, from guitar licks to fucking fashion sense, we're going to have an angry yard gnome next week right here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs>